This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I am with Chad Wright, former Navy SEAL. He is a ultra marathon runner. We're going to dive into all sorts of stuff today with you. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing outstanding, Brett. Thank you so much for having me on, brother. It's a pleasure. So it's good to be with you. You got a lot of good stuff, amazing stories, and uh, you know, what, what do you, you go out and run like a hundred mile races or something like that? I mean, come on, who does that? Who does that? <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I've done multiple hundred milers, but uh, you know, it's really a growing sport. I love, I love to see people out there. I love to see the sport growing, and people are really, I think, coming to a realization that they're capable of doing a lot more than uh, than what society's been telling us for the last hundred years you know what I mean absolutely I mean you think about a marathon people think that's the end of the deal and and you're just getting started you're not even 25 percent done with some of your races that's it brother I've got the mind block right now that there's no way I could go out and run a marathon so you're going to help me with that (laughs) roger that my man all right so hey why don't you tell us a little bit of the backstory right you don't just wake up and be a navy seal you don't just wake up and run 100 mile plus races uh there is a story to chad Wright, and i'd love to hear that yeah, that'd be awesome, Brett. Thank you for allowing me to share. And um, yeah, it uh, my story is a little bit different. Uh, one, I guess, starting out where I came from, I was born and raised in North Georgia, just a small town. Um, I was never into sports or fitness. Um, as a matter of fact, I had never even swam in a swimming pool until I went and took my uh, physical standards test to become a Man. SEAL. Um, so I... I at around 18 years old, I had just graduated high school. I realized, I came to a point in my life that I realized if I didn't go get out of that small town, if I didn't, you know, step out of my comfort zone, then, then that, was, that was all that I was going to be able to have in life is, is what that little small town offered. And that's fine for a lot of people. I mean, this is a great, uh, it's a great place. I love, I love small town America and I'm a country boy at heart. But for me, I wanted to kind of get out and explore what I was capable of. So uh, I had this dream to become a Navy SEAL. I just saw a, a ad or a little thing online. Back then, it wasn't as near as popular as it is today. And um, so the hardest military training in the free world. And for some reason, that just clicked with me, man. And, uh, and that, be- yeah, that became my, my dream. Um, so I took, you have to take a physical standards test to become a SEAL. It's a swim, run, push up, pull up, sit up, and it's all timed and you have minimum standards. So yeah, I show up to take this physical standards test, uh, for the first time 
and I fail miserably because, like I said, I was not an athlete. Um, so I, over the course of about, I took it once a week for, gosh, probably about three months before I could finally pass the thing. Wow. And so each time I would take it, you know, I would, I would see where, I needed to improve whether it be the swimming the running or, or whatever it may be and then I'd go back and I'd obviously work on that portion of what I needed to improve and finally I put the whole picture together was able to pass that thing and of course got a seal contract and went to Navy boot camp and um, I guess that's where stuff kind of got a little sideways um, <laughs> and uh, you, you want to dig into that yeah, let's hear it man yeah. let's let it rip Let's let's dive right into it. I like Sweet, to hear brother. when things go sideways. Yeah, man. So I went to Navy boot camp with a SEAL contract, and uh, basically thinking that you know I'm I'm on my way to accomplish my dreams, and I get all the way through Navy boot camp, and it was the like the last day we had our big final training exercise, and we're getting ready to go off to graduation, and my drill instructor pulls me out of the formation. And um, we were actually going to a ceremony where when you, when you graduate Navy boot camp, you, get a, you wear a ball cap, all Navy boot camp, it says recruit on it. And when you finally graduate, you get a ball cap that says Navy on it. Mm. And so we were going to get those ball caps and, you know, we were fired up and he pulls me out and says, Chad, uh, you know, you, you need to go to medical. They found something on your, on your physical that they need to talk to you about. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Mm. So um, they pull me out, and while the rest of my class is going off to graduate and proceed with their dreams and aspirations, I'm walking over to medical. And I walk, I walk into the dive medical officer's office, and he's sitting there, and he says, Chad, you have a pericardial cyst on your heart. And of course, I'm like, what, what is that? Yeah, I know what that is, right? Yeah, I don't have a clue what it is. So what it ended up being, it was a seven centimeter cyst on my heart and it was totally asymptomatic. And that's the reason I never knew it was there. I would have never even known it was there if it wouldn't have been for that dive physical. They found it on a chest x-ray. And um, he said, yeah, this is asymptomatic condition. It's never going to bother you. But we're worried that when you go down to depth, diving as a seal the pressure change is going to burst this cyst on your heart hmm. they, they didn't know that that would happen for a fact but it was There's not chance, something right? yeah there was not something they were willing to gamble on so he just tells me straight up right then and there you can't be a seal um and there was no it, it was no choice in the matter it there was no ifs ands or buts about it and he gave me a definitive answer and um of course, my only rebuttal was, well, you know, why can't you guys go in and, and remove this thing? And basically, he said, um, it's not worth the risk that it would take to remove this cyst because a pericardial cyst is a very rare condition. As a matter of fact, I'm the only SEAL candidate to ever be diagnosed with a pericardial cyst in, in wow. the history of uh, naval special warfare. He said, well, it's not worth the risk to remove this thing just so you can move forward and be a SEAL, he's like, we can send you out to the regular Navy and you'll be just fine. Right. He's like, and, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not having that. Yeah, but, you know, exactly, Brett. That's not where I had set my goal. So 
it was a process. I ended up getting out of the Navy uh, shortly after that diagnosis with an administrative discharge. So I cut all ties with the Navy, um, showed back up to my hometown. And of course, all my, all my old friends and high school buddies, um, all of them thought I had quit. Yep. <laughs> you know, so they're coming yeah, up to me. Just on the heart deal, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, who's going to believe that? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> I, exactly. hey, I, it was my life and I didn't even believe it was <laughs> right. time. So, uh, but you know, I, I never, the, the crazy thing is, man, is I, I never let go of that, that dream that I had or, or that goal that I had set for myself to become a SEAL. So I was bound and determined that I was going to find a way over, under, around some way through this obstacle so I can proceed with my dream. And that's what I did. I started going to see heart surgeons here in Atlanta um, as a civilian. I, I mean, a kid. I was a kid right. back then. And to be honest with you, man. So I'm coming to these heart surgeons and they're telling me the exact same thing that the dive medical officer told me, you know, there's no, no, we're not, we're not doing this surgery. And, um, finally I found a surgeon here in Atlanta that would do the surgery for me. He was a former, uh, army combat surgeon. He had served time downrange and he really appreciated what I wanted to go do. And we just connection on that level and he was willing to do it so um yeah i signed the papers and uh went to the operating table i remember having one moment of doubt on the drive to the hospital the morning of the surgery i looked over at my dad and it was sinking in it was getting real and i said dad do you think do you think i should really go through with this man um i was basically gambling with right. the surgery, e even when the surgery was over, I didn't know if the Navy was going to accept me back. And he said, son, if you want a chance at being a SEAL, you don't have any choice. And I just said, roger that. And uh, the surgery was successful. Um, and rock and roll from there, man, went all the way through training, was never rolled, uh, you know, pretty much a flawless ride through training because I had so much invested in my dreams before I was even yeah. allowed to toe the line. So what, what do you think it was about that? I mean, obviously there was more ways to get out of the, uh, you know, your situation in the small town that you were in other than just being a Navy SEAL. So what was it that internally drove you so much to, to go after that? Do you think that that specific thing, um, you know, and that's a question that I've tried to answer for myself quite often. And it wasn't, it wasn't a patriotic thing for me back then. I mean, it became that, you know, through my time in service, but it was not, it was something that I had always dreamed of doing. Um, it was just something about that, that thing that I saw online that the hardest possible thing that, that we have to offer here it is. And we'll, and we'll give you a shot at it. And Ooh. that just, just triggered I, something for you. Man, and, and I go all in on everything, dude. I mean, right. e everything in my life, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all or nothing. I don't leave anything on the table. And is, I don't know that that's advisable or not because <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the things in my life, when I set a goal for myself, it's usually a, a, a lofty goal and I go all in and a lot of other things in my life tend to suffer when I'm chasing down that one goal. Right. right. So, um, you know, I think that's what drew me to that specific thing was it was just advertised as the hardest 
thing that there is. There's enough said. So the, the, the teacher was there, right? The article, whatever it was that you're reading and the student being you was there and you just went all in with it. That's it, brother. Yep. That's crazy. Amazing. Amazing. When you just acted like, you know, buds was just easy. Right. And, and clearly, clearly it's not. And, uh, some of, some of my friends, I know they're Navy SEALs. They would say it's the hardest training in the world. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, Brett, uh, SEAL training is like one of the few things in life that actually lives up and surpasses its reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter what you watch on the Discovery Channel or what you can find on YouTube nowadays. It's not going to really show you um, the depth of misery and difficulty that's inflicted upon you in that six months. And it never really gets easier. I say six months, but man, when you get to a SEAL platoon, life doesn't get easier. It gets more complicating and it gets more dangerous um, every single day. So yeah, it's, it's, it is everything and more than you could ever imagine it to be. Oh, I bet. I bet. And so talk to us about that. What, What, cause I would assume a lot of that is more physical. I'm sorry mental than it is physical clearly it's very physical but i mean you know what have i i've heard from guys they got the the coffee and donuts behind the guys waiting for you they got the bell if you want to come ring it come ring it you can quit anytime you want I mean, that's all mental isn't it yeah that and you know that's one of the interesting things about buds is is everybody thinks well i mean everybody knows that it's physical and they they know that it's you know mental a mental challenge too, but they don't understand. I don't think people really grasp how much of a mental challenge it really is. Um, no single evolution in SEAL training is that difficult. Um, the evolutions that you have to pass are, you know, four mile time runs, two mile ocean swims, um, you know, obstacle courses, the same stuff that civilians are out here doing every day uh, on a, on a high level, whether it's triathlon or, um, you know, these obstacle course races, it's the same type of concept, same type of evolutions. So the hardest part about buds, uh, seal training in general is the grind. It's the, it's the entire picture. Um, just it, it is so essential to be able to break that evolution down into micro segments. And that's what gets guys is when they start to look at the big picture, it, it crushes them, man. And, yeah. you know, a lot of the, the top performers, the former collegiate athletes, former professional athletes, guys that have trained and dreamed of, of going to SEAL training their entire lives, a lot of times, man, those were the guys, the first guys to quit because they just couldn't break it down. And another reason is because they are so used to performing on such a high level. When you get in that grind, it really, it really grinds you down and you're going to have bad days and you're going to have days that you can't perform on that super high level because your body is just, is just beat, man. And you know, those top performers, when they have those bad days, it crushes them, dude. It crushes them mentally. Um, so, you know, I was like old Toyota truck, man. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the strongest. I'm still not. But uh, you can go a long ways with somebody that's just steady and that won't quit. Yep. You can go a long ways with that yep. person, brother. Yeah, you're exactly right, right there with the won't quit. Because no matter what they did to you, right, physically, mentally, 
it, it wasn't going to stop you. But I think it's also tying that back to the business side, right? A lot of business leaders listen to this is the clarity of your goal, right? It was, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL, period, right? Not like, oh, I'd like to be, or I'd like to do this. And oh, by the way, if that doesn't work out, then I'll do A, B, and C. There's no plan B, right? Burn the ships, burn the bridges, whatever you want to call it. It was, it's all you had, right? That's all, that's all I had, man. And you, yeah, you have to have that clarity. You have to take all the other options off the table. And, um, you know, in something like SEAL training or in something, you know, business trans, the, the, the business aspect translates so many ways, you know, from SEAL training to that, you know, business world, not only in that aspect of having clarity, but in the aspect of, of breaking things down, man, and being able to focus on the task and conquer what's in front of you. You know, being able, when I was in training, SEAL training, man, my, my goal every day was to just make it to breakfast. Hmm. make it to breakfast dude and then i you know i'd break the day down from from that point and i think business is the same way you need to be able to focus on what's in front of you crushing that and you know then then moving on to the next portion or the next yeah. obstacle that might be there yeah i just had nelson dellis he's the he's a four-time memory champion he climbed mount everest three times and i know he, nelson oh do you yeah yeah so nelson he was just we just were an hour ago and he talked about getting to the top of Mount Everest was get to that rock and then to that rock. And then, the, you know, you don't just wake up and say, I'm going to climb the top of that mountain today. It's overwhelming. And to your point, exactly. Just make it to breakfast, right? Just make it to lunch. It's so essential, man. It's battle, so essential. Battle through it. So uh, you probably can't talk about many of your missions, but, uh, you know, obviously thank you for your, uh, your service for our country and all the things you did to give us our freedoms and keep us safe and sound in this great country that we live in. So, we won't dive into any of that stuff unless you want to share something that you can or can't talk about. I guess you can talk about, but talk to us about the day when they came to you and said, Hey man, we're sorry, but you can't be a Navy SEAL anymore. Yeah, that was a tough, that was a tough day. Obviously, like I told you, I was a child. I, I consider I was a young man back then, you know, sure. and it was a, like you said, a man, I was all in. I didn't really have any other plans. I didn't, I didn't enjoy school. Uh, college wasn't my thing. So this was it for me, dude. And when it was taken away from me, um, in a sense, it, it was crushing. But then there was also another part of me that um, I, I almost got angry about it. Hmm. Um, and, you know, so I, I didn't, I, it didn't crush me in a way that, that I wanted to sit around and, and, and mope around and just be poopy pants about it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, it made me angry that this was taken from me and I was able, you know, at that young age to really channel, um, that emotion, anger being an emotion yeah. and, and use it to, uh, or direct it toward accomplishing my goal. And again, finding some way over or around this insurmountable obstacle that had been set in front of me. I'm writing down a note here, so I apologize. But and I'll just ask it now. I was going to ask it later. But how how much work are you doing on you? So you talked about emotions there. You talked about anger, right? Is I think as a guy, right, as a man, sometimes it's hard. And my my wife and I'll talk to her about this stuff. It's harder for a guy to share emotions, right? But you but you're talking about it, and here you are, Navy SEAL, running hundred plus mile races, 
you know, the warm fuzzies, right? You're talking about that stuff. How much, how much time are you working on, on you, on Chad? So as to answer that question specifically, I spend four hours a day training. Um, I, I wake up and, and, and so I break myself, I break myself down into what I am. You say, how much time am I, am I spending focusing on me? Um, I view myself as three, as, as a, um, a combination of three different things. Um, I view myself as having um, a spirit, a body, and a soul. So I spend time on each one of those aspects of me, of myself, each and every day. And just to kind of break, break down my day, I, you know, that four hours of training uh, before, prior to that, uh, I spend time on my spirit. So I get up out of bed. I give the first fruits of my day to my God. That's either through prayer or reading the Bible. And then I go out into nature and I spend four hours training. While I'm training, I'm working real on real quick, my, sorry. So you're training ahead. this four-hour training. That's your spirit. That's not your body? So, that, so, so the training portion, I view that as my soul and my body. Okay. So I take care of my spirit first thing in the morning. That's my connection with, with, with the, the, the thing that's, that's greater than me. For me, that's the God of the Bible. Yep, so I, absolutely. I, I nourish that connection first thing in the morning. That's the first fruits of my day. Go out into my training block. That's four hours. That's my body and soul. Essentially, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So that the emotions that you feel, how you feel about certain things, your perspective, um, what do you want to do? What do you not want to do? And <clears throat> I'm training my soul in that training block out on the trail or in the weight room or, or whatever it may be for the day because I'm forcing myself, you know, when, when it starts to get hard, when, when that adversity starts to pile on during that training evolution, I'm bringing my soul into subjection and I'm saying, nope, we're going to go a little further. We're going to go an extra mile. We're going to do an extra rep. Um, you know, that it's in the body and soul are, are they work really they work side by side they work yeah. together so that's where i take care of those uh last two aspects of myself yeah and that's part of your three of seven right which we're going to talk about in a little bit and I, I look forward to spending more time on that but so when you when you think about those things you know i heard you say one time don't die in the chair i mean how do you because so before we go to talk about dying in the chair, how much of that do you believe you were born with? And how much of this do you believe that you were, you've created by training yourself? You know, it'd be tough to put a percentage on that, Brett. Um, I'd say, um, gosh, I'd say maybe this is just off the top of my head, man. 20% was, was what I was born with. And um, the other 80% is, is really been just by putting myself in adverse situations, taking quitting off the yeah. table and, uh, and, and building it over time, to be honest. And I, with and I asked that, sorry to interrupt, but I asked that because some people may listen to this and I know I'm guilty of listening to podcasts and doing that too and saying, oh yeah, but that guy's different. And, and even myself, right? Listen to you and I'm like, yeah, that one extra mile and that one extra thing or four hours of training and, you know, maybe our worlds are different, but whatever. But I'm glad to hear you say you can train it. You can teach yourself those things. And I agree that it's putting yourself out there, right? It's the old baptism by fire. Go do it. You didn't die. Your comfort zone just got a little bigger, right? Yep. Fair? 
Oh yeah, totally, man. That's where we grow. I mean, that, that is essentially where we grow. When, when you run a hundred mile race, bro, you run the first, um, 90 miles for that last 10 miles. That last 10 miles is where the growth comes from. And that's the same with everything in life, in my opinion. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be 100 miles for somebody out there that a 5K may be a, a, a challenge for them. That's, that's total, it's, it's all according to where you're at with your own uh, mental and physical health. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the, the growth comes in that last portion. So you, but you've got to be willing to step out and, and don't die in the chair, just like you said, man. Right. It's, so that part of don't die in the chair, is, so, it, is it more of just going and doing it versus anything else? Yeah, and I'll tell you where don't die in the chair was born, Brett, and to give you a little more understanding about what it means yeah. to me. Um, I, it was actually born during an ultra marathon, a last man standing race uh, that I did this past May. And um, what what the, the parameters of the race, it was you had to run 4.16 miles every hour um, on the Jesse, hour. Did Jesse Itzler do this? So he's done one. He has done okay. uh, yeah. this was a different race, but the exact same format. Okay. And so you you would run this four point one six mile loop, and when you got back, if you got back in like fifty five minutes, you'd have like five minutes to sit in the chair before you had to get up and go out on the next loop. So um, the chair really represented uh, a lot of people died in the chair because it was hard to rise back up out of that chair and tow the line again, and um, I had, I, I was running that race every hour I would dedicate to a fallen brother, a guy that we had lost in the SEAL teams. And, um, you know, just me making a promise to them uh, as, my, as my fallen brothers, as they were looking down upon me while I was, you know, running this race, I could not promise them victory because I didn't know when my body was going to break. But I, I could promise them that I would not die in the chair that uh, when, and by death, I mean the death within that situation sure. or that race, not physical death, but um, I, I promised them that I, I would either achieve victory or I would die out on the race course battling for every step that I took. And that's kind of where that was born. And there again, I've tra now that transfers into um, every project uh, business or, or relationship that I take on in life. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I watched some of his story when he was in doing his race and what you guys do there. Just, I mean, from nutrition and, and, and water and, I mean, everything, right? To, to battle through that is unbelievable. So, I don't know, lots of questions. That's a whole other podcast. But um, so when you talk about that dying in the chair part and, and, and obviously not physically, again, how do you dig deep enough to just be like, you know what, man, this, okay, I'm, I'm in the top 10, I'm in the top five, whatever it may be. How do you not give up? Um, how do you not give up? That is a, that's a good question, Brett. And I can only answer you well, kind of what happens to me. Um, so uh, I, my mind, my mind works uh, on, on a very simple plane. I like to really simplify things for myself, um, especially these, uh, these monumental tasks like, uh, like a last man standing race or even a hundred mile race. Um, before I tow the line in that race, I, I boil the outcomes down. I have only two outcomes. I'm either going to break my body or I'm going to cross the finish line. Hmm. So I take all the other options 
off the table for myself. And, and I don't put, I don't say that lightly, Brett. I'm being, right. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I take all those options off the table. Again, I don't know that that's advisable for everyone. For me, um, at a race, I look at these races as like missions and um, it, I'm willing to, to battle through injury uh, or permanently damage my body to finish these races. That's mm. just a decision that I've made for myself. Right. Um, so I've boiled it down. I take quitting off the table. I take all that off the table. I have two options. And I go out, and at that point, I'm pretty freed up because my body makes the decision of whether I can carry on or not. I know when, when you can't move forward anymore, you're going to know it. Right. Your, body, your body's going to let you know, like, oh, okay, you, you can't go any further. Right. Um, there's, there'll be no question about it. And then, two, you get late into these, um, you get late into these events and you just get in the zone, man. You know, it really, and I think it's the same way in, in life. You get deep into something and you just get in the zone and you're just front sight focused on the, the next step um, that you have to take. And, and then I think another thing that's important when it comes to not quitting or, or, or not stopping is patience. Mm. Um, a lot of times these super long races or um, business or a marriage or, you know, all those things in an endurance event, you could look at marriage or something or, or business yeah. as an endurance event, the same way you can look at a hundred mile race. And, and just to bring it back to running uh, in a hundred mile race, it gets to a point where all it is, is a game of patience. You've reached a steady state the pain is what it is. It's not going to get any better or any worse. You've learned to live with the pain that you're feeling at that time. And then it's just a game of patience, of constant forward motion until you reach the finish line. <laughs> and you have to realize that if you slow down or, or if you decide to stop and take a break, all you're doing is prolonging that pain. So it's just being patient enough to maintain that constant forward motion until you cross the finish line or reach your objective. Yeah, I think, I guess, after doing it so many times, you're, you've eliminated the, when you say don't die in the chair, I mean now physically, like you literally will die. You've done so much and grown so far the comfort zone that doesn't even cross your mind anymore. Is that fair or not fair? Yeah, I mean, it's fair. Uh, it's just really fair to say. And by no means am I some, uh, I never want to sound like some too super hard, like tough dude, because that's not me, man. Um, I, heck, I tell everybody I know I love them. And, you know, I'm, I'm an emotional right. guy. And, and but um, yeah, I mean, you take it back to SEAL training, dude. Uh, yeah, I would, I would literally suffer physical death before I would have quit. I, and I don't, I promise you, I don't say that lightly and it's not. Oh, no, I, like I, a tough I, guy, you know? I believe a hundred percent of it, actually. hundred percent. You, you got to take it off the table, man. Uh, you know, I watched something you said and you talked, you said, uh, it, be hard when it, when it gets hard. Right. I loved that because you can't, you can't just be in the battle all the time. Right. You got to learn to take some time for yourself or time with your family and just, chill the hell out every now and then is that fair 
That's it, brother. You really do. And uh, I just did a little pot, a little 13 minute podcast on our show uh, yesterday about that whole mantra, be hard when it gets hard. And, you know, for me, that mantra, be hard when it gets hard, it's all about setting sustainable standards for yourself. Um, I don't feel like it's healthy to think that you have to be the best, that you have to be the hardest, that you have to know everything all the time. Yep. Because you're going to fall short of that mark. And it's, it's for a lot of people that becomes detrimental when they fall short of that standard over and over and over again. And it just destroys them and they lose all the confidence that they, you know, could have had. So yeah, I think it's important to be able to um, have a place inside of you that you can go to when life gets hard, when business gets hard, when racing gets hard and you get the job done. And once the job's done, you've got to be able to take a wrap off, go home, love your family, um, love your children, love the people around you, uh, because in reality, that's, that's what life's all about, brother. Amen to that. Um, how, do you, how do you slow down and enjoy the journey? So sticking on that for a little bit. I mean, you know, again, family, uh, life, just all that stuff. How do we stay in the moment, enjoy the journey? and not get one caught up in the craziness of life, but then also thinking so much about the vision of the future. Yeah. You know, I'm very intentional about spending time with my wife. Um, I don't have children. Uh, my wife is my best friend on earth. Me and her, I mean, me and her work hand in hand together. And so I'm intentional about taking time every day to just spend with her, to just disconnect from uh, social media, that type of stuff. Um, and, and I'm, I'm really that way with the rest of my family. Um, I try to limit my time on, uh, on social media and things like that, just, just to stay more present and to yeah. stay, you know, more connected with the people that are here present with me. Um, so, you know, that's, I, I think it's just all about being intentional, Brett, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, it's no, easy to get caught up in a whirlwind, especially as, as your business grows or your influence grows. Um, you have to, to really just remain conscious. And, um, I think it's also important to have someone in your life that, that'll help you stay present and help bring you back down to earth when that, you know, when it needs to happen. Knock you down a pedestal or two, right? So, uh, what would you tell yourself? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So uh, what would you tell yourself if you could look back and, and give, uh, you know, give yourself some feedback and say, hey, Chad, right, think about this 10, 15 years ago, what would that be? Mm. Man, first thing that comes to mind, brother, stay humble. Mm. Uh, stay humble. I've been, able to, uh, I've been able to accomplish so much more in my life through – um, humbleness and humility than, uh, with any other, uh, you know, tactic that I could possibly use, um, you know, take it back to, to seal training. You know, we talked about those high performers earlier. Um, so I, I was, I was not on that high performer list and, but, but it was, uh, partially a choice, uh, to stay humble. And, uh, I considered myself the gray man. Um, I usually stayed in middle of the pack the whole time through SEAL training. Mm. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't, wasn't interested in drawing attention to myself. I was interested in accomplishing the mission. 
And um, it didn't matter to me if I came first place or last place. I just tried to stay middle of the pack. And um, it, it worked. I don't know. There again, it worked out for me. I just feel like you can go, like I said, you can go so much further if you're just steady. Yep. And, and that, hum, that being humble is a part of, I think, for me, was a part of being steady. Talk to me about fears. How much did fear come into your mind? I mean, whether it was literally in, in war getting, you know, killed or if it was in these races collapsing, your body never works the same way again. How much of the fear has come into your mind? Um, I'm going to tell you, Brett, fear, fear is not something that, uh, that I dwell on a lot. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why I'm able to kind of, uh, take fear out of the equation. Um, I have, uh, throughout my life, I have realized that there is, there's a design for my life. It's like things, things, things that happen to me and the places that I have been and the things that I have seen are just unexplainable. There's, there, there's, there's no other reason uh, for some, I could, I mean, we could talk, we could tell stories for three hours, uh, right. just on that one subject. Um, so I've realized that, that there's a design in my life and, um, I have a strong faith, uh, in my creator and I have literally come to a point. I had actually, uh, not long back, I had, I had a vision and, and it sounds crazy, but I have a, I had a vision that explains some things to me and I've, I've just really released it all. I, I've just been able to just release it, man. And, and understand that there's a design behind what I'm doing each and every day. And I seek that and I'm acknowledge that. And for me, that takes a lot of fear out of the equation, to be honest with you. It may sound like a crazy answer, man, but. Well, I think that's got to be a a peaceful feeling, right? Because if you know you've got your faith and you know and the things you've seen, I mean, you've seen some of the worst things in the world, right? Like you said, unimaginable. A guy like me would be in the fetal position crying if I saw some of that stuff. And I think it just you got a whole different perspective than I think most of the world. And I appreciate you sharing that stuff. Is there any story that sticks out that you can share that would just kind of give us some perspective, right? Something that you've seen that, you know, you maybe, I don't know, maybe you can't talk about any of those things, but anything come to mind? Um, if you want to say next question, just tell me next question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you a story that I shared it. I shared it the other day for the first time. Um, I can remember, I can remember as a brand new frogman going out with my platoon for the first time, frogman, I mean, Navy SEAL, yep. um, going out with my platoon for the first time. And we were, we were conducting this mission and I was out on the outer perimeter of, um, of the actual uh, target area. So I was what's called a block. I was on a blocking position. It's called a BP. Um, so, uh, the main assault force was, you know, conducting the actual assault on the target complex. So I was kind of stuck out on a corner, um, but kind of, you know, isolated by myself and I was brand new guy and I didn't think thing would happen out on that corner basically my job was to you know stop anyone 
any, any bad guys from the outside coming into the target complex while the assault was going down. And it turned out we, I ended up taking a, we it took a secondary contact on my position. Um, and I remember hesitating and wanting someone to tell me what to do. Hmm. I wanted somebody to tell me, okay, Chad, you, you can shoot back at this guy. You can, um, you know, you, you know, you're cleared hot basically. Right. And I, but, but that didn't happen. And all this happened in like a split second. So, um, it, it, it never, it, I, I finally realized that, uh, no one's going to tell me what to do. I've been put out here to handle this situation, uh, as best as I possibly can. And it's up to me, uh, to handle this. The decisions that I make right here are, are going to make the difference, not only, uh, in the mission as far as success or failure, but it's also going to provide safety for the, the guys behind me on the assault force. Um, and it was just, that was a, a grand epiphany for me. And I take, I've take, taken that with me from, from that mission on throughout the rest of my life, realizing that, um, there's not always going to be someone there to hold your hand. And that a lot of times in life, you have to make a decision based upon the training and the tools that you have in that moment. You have to make the best decision that you possibly can to, uh, to handle that, that obstacle that's in front of you. And, uh, you know, hmm. and, and a lot of times the outcome of your life and the outcome of, of whatever your situation or your business or your team is going to be based off of you having the courage to make that decision and handle that situation the, as best you can. And it's not always going to be the prettiest outcome, right. but there, it just goes back to that's, that's where we learn, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell me about the importance of a mantra too. I mean, I've heard you talk about that too. And it's, you know, the, the mantra of people, sometimes people think about that's meditation and yoga stuff. Right. And it's, but it's, it's not because I heard you talk about it even on the battlefield. It's your, your don't die in the chair is a mantra. Right. And so talk to me about that. Yeah, I think mantras are important and uh, they've always, I mean, you know, we had <laughs> mantras all throughout SEAL training. Uh, you know, the only easy day was, was yesterday, um, train like you fight. Um, you know, so these, these mantras were, have been a part of my life, you know, all the way up through seal training. And even now in ultra running and business, I've developed my own mantras that I use now here in my, uh, own, you know, civilian life. And uh, I think they're very important. I think the cool thing, uh, a mantra, it obviously has to be born within a situation. For me, all my mantras are born within a, usually an adverse situation where I'm able to encounter a problem, make that decision, and then move forward with my mission. And then that's where that mantra is born. And, and the mantra has to be something that's simple, that you can recall in times of difficulty. It doesn't have, need to be something that you have to sit down and read or, or memorize. It just needs to be something quick that'll come to mind um, and, and that you can recall in a time of difficulty and it needs to be, uh, it, it doesn't have to be, but it's great if it's personal to you and it's something again, that's born out of a, a situation or a time of, of adversity. I like that born out of adversity, man. That's awesome. Um, so talk to us about three of seven. So it's, um, Obviously, I, I know what it means for my research, but I'd love to hear it from you and, and what, the, what that means and tell our listeners. 
Awesome. Thank you, Brett. Yeah. So I'll just tell you what the name three of seven means. The three is representative of the three aspects of us as humans, the body, soul, and spirit. This number seven is the universal number for completion. Um, so essentially the three of seven, it means complete yourself. Um, it's kind of where that name come comes from. Um, so we have, uh, we have a podcast, we have some products out uh, on our website, three of seven project.com with, um, most of our, you know, my mantras that I use, we have them on t-shirts. We have some really cool hats and different products for, for people that follow. Um, but basically everything that we do is a platform and everything that we bounce off of this three of seven platform is to help others complete themselves from a body soul and spirit standpoint and that's what we try to focus on on the podcast we try to find the most complete people that that we know that we've come in contact with and talk to them about how they have master nursed and maintained their body soul and spirit to achieve a more complete and wholesome lifestyle um, you know, these, these mantras that are on our products, these are all about, uh, completing yourself from, you know, from a soul standpoint, you know, yep. your mind, will, and emotions, having that mantra to recall in a time of ad- uh, adversity. Um, so, you know, and we called it a project, Brett, because it's, uh, it's ever changing and we don't have a specific place that it needs to go. Uh, we don't have a specific dollar amount it needs to make. This is just all about us sharing our lessons. Us, I mean, my brother and I, my sure. brother's my partner. Sure. Um, he's former law enforcement um, a SWAT team member and just a, a super good all-around complete human being. And, uh, and that's what the project's about, man. I love it. I know you guys are doing great work, man, so keep it up. Last, last couple questions here for you. Right now, when you think about yourself, what, what are you learning about you, right? What, what are you learning? And you probably have a lot of think time when you're, four hours of training and running a hundred miles. So what is Chad Wright learning about himself? You know, I guess, I guess the biggest thing that, that I'm learning about myself is how to take the lessons that, that I've learned over uh, 12 years in the SEAL teams and, you know, going through um, some, some really bumpy times in my marriage and relationship and coming to the point that I am now just being totally happy and totally fulfilled. It's learning how to translate those lessons. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching myself. I'm, I'm learning how to translate those lessons into stories and into uh, products and avenues that can help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I never, I never knew that that, that, that would be my lane. I never, I never foresaw right. that as being kind of my new mission. And to be honest with you, I never saw, um, a lot of the, a lot of times I never saw the value that was in my experiences because it was just my life, Brett. Right. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, jumping out of planes and, and, and combat diving and, um, you know, whatever the mission might've been, that crazy life, it, that was just my life. It's no different than you getting up and going to do your job every day. Yeah. So I never, I, I think I'm learning that there's value in my experiences and then learning how to translate those in ways that can help other people. You know, one of my favorite mantras is slow down to speed up, right? And I, I, I was just saying this today with a consulting client of mine that I, I work with their team. And I said, you, you think about the, the iPhone, you got the camera, right? You've got the normal camera, normal life speed, You've got slow-mo, 
right? Speed. And then you've got the uh, time lapse where things go crazy fast, right? And it's kind of like life, right? Life can be going crazy fast. Life can be going in slow motion. Life can be going normal speed. But what I have found is the more you slow down, the more you speed up. So what I mean by that is the crazier life gets, the more you have to pick yourself up the treadmill of life and slow down so you can speed up and actually embrace it and enjoy that journey. Is that what do you think oh, yeah. about that? No, I love that? it, Brett. I love it, man. And that's that's a mantra that we used, uh, not that exact, those exact words, but a yeah. mantra we used to use out on the range all the time. You know, when we were when we were practicing with our our weapons, was um, slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. Hmm. So it you know it goes right along with what you're saying, man. I love it. Where can our listeners find more of you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram. Uh, that's really the only social media platform I'm on. It's uh, I'm at Chad, C-H-A-D-W-R-I-G-H-T 278. And then um, also 3of7project.com. And then the podcast is 3of7podcast. That's spelled out, 3of7podcast. And that's on Apple Podcast Player, um, Google Play, Podbean all those type of places. So yeah, we love the podcast, man. It's a, a thank you for putting out platform in it. Well, thank you for put, for doing what you do, man. And people don't realize the work that goes into having a podcast. It's really a labor of love, man. And there's yeah. not a lot of return on it. So no. <laughs> this is, this is certainly a passion play. I've got my normal job, but it's, it's certainly a, uh, you know, our, our, our mission in our firm is to help people achieve a future greater than their past. Right. And so, if we can do that and through something like this and somebody can listen to this and get nuggets from you and they can apply it to their life, then we're doing our job as a firm by making sure people are living their best life. You know, so that's amazing, bro. We do, oh, man. Thank you for what you're doing, man. Amen. Well, thanks so much, Chad, for being on the circuit of success. Much appreciated. And again, man, thank you for your service and what you did for our country. Roger that, Brett. It's my pleasure, brother. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.